and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, okay, so let's move on from Thanksgiving to Christmas, which doesn't happen in the movie, but happens in the book. And I love this scene so much, too. So for context, in the book, one of the other major changes. Yeah, I was noticing. I think I know where you're going. Is that Alex's parents are divorced. Yeah. Like, they are straight up divorced. Alex's mom has, like, I don't remember if they're married or or not, but Alex's mom has a man. I think, yeah, I think it's a stepdad. So. A step, okay. So I couldn't remember if they're married. And then Alex's dad is is a is the senator for California, which I think is the same in the movie. But they are one hundred percent divorced. So they and they get together for Christmas, like the whole family. And during this particular Christmas, uh, his father offers to help his mom campaign for president because he's a congressman with political pull, and the mom doesn't want that because. She's like, hey, that's a reminder to the public that I am divorced and divorced women don't poll well in America because America's misogyny. And so that whole thing, the conversation that they're having leads to Alex getting really upset and he storms out and then he calls Henry and he spills his guts out to him. And this is like really the very first time they have a conversation that's like real, like like from Alex's point of view, because Henry kind of talked about his trauma a little bit in the hospital closet. This is the first time that Alex is like, here are my feelings. Because while he's like super close with June and Nora, Alex doesn't really share his feelings. He's very like, makes light of it, moves on. He's always like moving 100 miles an hour. Like to, he's like running from his feelings, running from his problems all the time because he's just moving so fast. This is the first time he slows down and like talks to Henry. Like he's like, I have to talk to somebody. Let me talk to Henry. So it was a, such a big moment. And it's just like not in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. This is one of the times I feel for Alex because I understand him because I am a child with divorced parents. So, like, I understand, like, how he used to have probably at some point two different Christmases with people. And he talks about how nice it is to have everyone under one roof. Yeah. It's a warm but weird kind of feeling when your family actually spends the holidays together when you're used to like being shuttled to different houses because you have no choice in the matter um but then it's really it sucks when it does turn into fighting because i mean they're divorced for a reason and he's just so upset that he couldn't that they couldn't put their feelings away for one day so they could just have a happy merry christmas (laughs) um and it's just, I just feel so bad for him. Uh, but I will say it is very weird when your parents do get along and they're divorced because sometimes that's weirder. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I also don't understand why Oscar, who is um, Alex's biological dad, uh, I had to pause the movie. Luckily, Amazon has the x-ray thing, so it tells you the characters' names yeah. and who they play. So it said Oscar. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess stepdad doesn't exist in this movie. No. Nope. So that's, yeah. But Oscar is so pissed off on in the book because um, his mom doesn't want him campaigning with her. Like, why does he, she, why does he think that she needs him? Like, she already got elected without him. My response it's, is he's a man. <laughs> I yeah, just feel like he I, wants to be relevant again or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Feels like it's or more it's just, for him. Right. I don't I don't know why he's so mad about that. I guess maybe he's, you know, swept up in that nostalgia too. Like you're talking about, Caitlin, of like, we could all be like a happy family again and like work together and be on good terms. And mom's like, I don't actually need you. Like, go away. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He's but, just uh, like trying to come in and be like a white knight, and right, it yeah. does kind of come off that way. I don't know that that's really his intention, but yeah, it definitely comes off that way for sure. Um, but like overall, they have they're they're not like the type of like so this is gone in the movies, but in the book, like they, they don't hate each other or anything like that, like mm-hmm. the parents. Um, but they they they're passionate people. I'll put it that way about politics. Stubborn, for sure. stubborn. Yeah, that's where Alex gets his stubbornness from. 
Um, but during this conversation with Henry, one line that really like stood out to me is um, that Henry basically tells him, he's like, I'm here, I'm listening. And like, that's all Alex really needs in this moment. And Alex admits to Henry that he really doesn't have a lot of friends aside from June and Nora. And so in this moment, he has somebody who's in like solely on his side, like just there to listen to him because like that white house trio, like, you know, they're kind of together by circumstance a little bit too. And like Nora and June seem a lot closer than like they are with Alex and things like that. So like, while he has support, he doesn't have somebody who's like just there for him. So like, this is kind of like the first time he has that. And it's, it's big. It's true friendship. I mean, more than that, but like at least friendship because yeah, totally. to have someone willing to talk to you at any time of the day, like it just, it makes your heart happy. And yeah. he let B take the biscuits. You know how big that is? Like, no, you can take the biscuits. It's fine. Not American biscuits. Yeah. Like American cookies. Like if you, I do, give me the cookie. <laughs> Caitlin and her cookies. Well, cookies it's my favorite food group it is good um yeah. another thing i love about this conversation too is that it's really revealing about who alex is and this is when i really started to like alex a lot as characters when we started really getting into him um because the conversation he has with henry here he basically admits that like he's used to people telling him he's great but he isn't used to people telling him he's enough and, like, that was such a revealing line to me. Because, like, the, the book and the movie all starts with, like, he's the golden boy. He's, like, the heartthrob of America. And, like, perfect. He's, like, on his way to be, like, the youngest congressman. And, like, like ever, like, ever, he gets constantly reinforced that he's great. And, like, so he just is constantly, like, trying to work towards this, like, perfection that everybody sees him as. But, like, you can tell it's too much for Alex even though he won't, he takes him a very long time to admit that because because he's so driven, he has no friends. He has no time. He drinks coffee like it's water. He barely sleeps. Like, all of this stuff. And so, like, in this moment with Henry, when he's just, like, Henry basically gives him the space and the support to be, like, you're enough just the way you are. Like, you don't have to be this thing that everybody else wants you to be or see, sees you as. And so I always, I found this as a very relatable mindset as, like, a millennial that grew up in America where it's, like, chasing perfection is like the thing that you're supposed to do um and and that equals your worth like being super busy means you're working hard it means you're worthy and and like out you know and and so because of that you often ignore your your needs and your feelings and things like that and so i like that like in this moment with henry he really stops to deal with his feelings and and henry gives him the support to do that and this particular scene is is a ginormous turning point for both of them which is why i wanted to talk about it and it's it's not in the movies but it is the it is the first time they really have that heart-to-heart -heart supportive moment for alex who is just always on the go and he really stops and realizes how like important henry really is to him i think is really this scene here henry also has his own scene of like opening up to alice because he also doesn't open up to people yeah, I exactly. mean, because apparently when he does, he spills all of the royal secrets. All of them. <laughs> There's two. You can get anything out of them. <laughs> yeah, you don't really have to dig, you know, dig that much. No, like but to round out the holidays, let's go to New Year's. New Year's. Okay, I do like the way the scene is done in the movie. I'm not going to lie uh let's talk about the get low scene because first of all what a classic song Betty. for like a millennial song so like in the book like like they're like old gen z but then in the movie they read like millennials which is weird <laughs> <laughs> but anyway regardless they're complicated I like, like figuring out if i'm a millennial or a gen yeah z, okay it, it was like, <laughs> what is this but i like the choreography in the movie and the way they basically had the moment where everybody got low except alex and henry and they're just kind of like staring at each other across yeah the which never would have happened in real life but whatever no it wouldn't have but i like the visual and they like tone down the music to like emphasize the moment and then speed it back up again i like the way the that was shot in the choreography of that 
yeah, agree. I mean, it's it's cute when you like you see the person across, and then you're like, oh shit, I love them. Oh, adorable. <laughs> oh, I just hope hope if that ever does happen in real life to you, I hope you actually like the other person. Yeah, for sure. Because you're stuck with them one. forever now. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's the it. Uh, done for. I think we need to talk about Henry's reaction to the lyrics. Oh, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. this was the exact same thing as the book, and I yeah, love this was that the same. that's what they kept. <laughs> love it. Well, I mean, so Henry points out the obvious. So, like, if you didn't grow up in America, this was, like, we listened to the song as children and oh, yeah. just yeah. knew all the lyrics to it. And so hearing Sweat Dropped Out by Balls for the very yes, first time. Yes, thank you. Like, but see, that, that one's obvious. There's so many songs about oh. sex that little kids sing and that are in kids' movies that they don't realize. I mean, like, obviously, you know, I, I've watched some things where I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell? That was in there? Yeah. yeah. Is that the problem? <laughs> I'm, even, as, even as someone who kind of got used to that song, it still gets me every time when that lyric comes up. I've never I've heard it a couple times like when I was little I heard it more because that's when it was out basically but I was not listening to it <laughs> if my, one of my co-workers sings it sometimes and partially just to annoy me because she sings that part I'm like I don't want to hear about that so I probably hear it more than most people now with the auras dancing <laughs> yeah Theora is it playing Listen, in your head? This is, this is a song that played at every party and every club. Yes. When I was in like high school. Doesn't matter. You dance to the song. Uh, there were a okay. couple of songs like that when we were. Yeah. This is a big one, though. So the fact that they put it in there, it makes them read like millennials, even though they're not. It does. <laughs> um, okay. So then after that, there's the first kiss between Henry and Alex. Finally, that happens because Alex is too dumb to see what's going on. So Henry has to be like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Which I love. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, Again, Alex is not getting. I would definitely be like Alex. I'd be like, what do you mean? <laughs> you, that would be you. Like, like you'd get kissed and you'd be like, what do you mean? Yeah. Does he like me? <laughs> Did someone put you up to this? <laughs> okay, but I, I want to talk about how like it leads up to that. I love that Henry because like like basically Henry's like I need to get because okay the reason Henry needs to get the fuck out of the party is because <clears throat> Alex kisses a girl regardless of which version of the book you read and so Henry's like listen you invited me here we've been flirting for months. And you're kissing girls in front of me. Because in the movie, it looks like an accident. But in the book, he kisses Nora. So Mm -hmm. it's weird. So Henry's like, I need air. So he goes outside. And he's like by this tree. And it's far enough away that like, no, I guess nobody can see them. And he starts talking to Alex about like, do you ever wonder what it would be like to just be like an anonymous person in the Mm -hmm. world? And this is something that comes up multiple times for Henry. Because... The difference between the two of them is like, while they're both political figures in their own way, like they're not running for office, either of them or holding an office. It's just they're in the public eye because of politics. Like Henry was born into it. So he had no choice. Whereas Alex wants to be in this. Like, yeah, his mom is president, but he's like trying to be a congressman. He's like, I want this life where I'm in the public eye. Henry's really surprised by that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's part. I think that's part of Henry's hesitancy with like Alex is because he's like, if I'm with you, then I'm trapped in this life forever that I don't want. Um, mm-hmm. Because here he is musing about what would my life, that basically what would my life be like if I could be an anonymous person and just kiss whoever I wanted, date whoever I wanted without having to like think through NDAs and like the royal image and like all these complicating factors that force Henry to like be closeted essentially from like his true self be closeted. So I love that he's talking about that. And then I wanted to discuss like the framing of the two of them in the scene, like as they're talking about this and then like when they kiss. So in, in the scene, when, when Henry's kind of talking about this, Henry is completely like, he's in the shadow a bit. And then I think when they kiss, it changes. So like the shadow of the tree. 
where it's like Alex is kind of like in Henry's position, like metaphorically, um, which I love because with the lead of this conversation. So it's kind of like I'm dragging you into my world a little bit. Um, yeah. The shadows where you're trapped in this public figure. Because if you think about it from Alex's point of view to date Henry, like now you are trapped in Henry's public life, which is very rigid and centuries of just like rules and stuff. And it's very different from it's very different from Alex's public office, like choosing to live in the public eye. There's more flexibility to be an American politician than to be a royal member like of England. So I like the way it's framed. It's kind of like metaphorical of their situations. Mm -hmm. I love it. I kept getting distracted by the obvious fake snow in the scene. Aren't you always? There was fake snow in the scene? It's because it's New Year's. I know. I'm just. It did it look great. <laughs> I honestly didn't care. I just w was happy with the acting <laughs> and the cuteness. Well, it was like it was coming down, but the hair wasn't really moving. I like it. Then it just like went on their clothes, and they did get it to dissolve. But it was like really weird, kind of. I feel like if you have because it was like very flu flurries coming down. If you mm -hmm. unless if you have like a big snowstorm, I feel like it's different. Also, if you have maybe, like, actual snow while filming, so, like, that you could just, like, sprinkle down as well, but it just seemed really weird and just, like, layered on top. It probably was. <laughs> it, it was. It definitely was. I know exactly how they did it, but no, just saying. It was distracting me. Because, of course, okay. it was. Of course it was. So let's talk about a really distracting scene. Let's talk about, in general, the intimate scenes that happened in this movie so, so slash book so we had the pleasure of talking to robbie who was the intimacy coordinator for red white Road blue check out in our interview with him to learn about if you haven't already yeah already he's he's really cool he couldn't talk specifics because of the strike at the time we interviewed him but so much work went into this what did you think of the intimate scenes in red white Road blue it was very tasteful Agreed. I okay. I really like that. Um, Alex was like, "But who does what?" And he was just like so nervous about it. So cute. And, uh, cute. Yeah, it was just really adorable, and I like that. It, at the front of everything, there was always talking about things and like never assuming. So I feel like a lot of scenes with. Like, with you get different kinds of scenes with different kinds of queer couples in in media. And I feel like scenes with two men don't often get this kind of treatment that they they end up being like more about the sex than they do about what's going on with the characters in the in the scene. And they perfectly handled it in this movie in my opinion and it was beautiful and well done and perfectly acted and i loved it agreed i want to talk about the book too and then i'll talk about the movie okay so first of all in the book it's very fade to black intimate scenes okay so but there's, there's a lot, lot. <laughs> no there's a lot which to be fair which is great because Yes, but they're fade to black. And if you don't know what that means, it means like sex is not discussed. It's like lead up and then there's like hints at stuff and then the scene ends. And so there's a lot of people who are just like, I've seen on TikTok who are like, wow, how do like people read this book in public? It's a spicy book. And it's like, bitch, have you ever read fan fiction? Like, this is nothing. Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not anything. Like, it's this not. This is trad published YA. They don't do explicit sex scenes, really, because right. you're not going to get published in, in the age group if you do that. It's so weird. I was like, dude, this is read a fan fiction. Like, get out of here. This is not yeah at all. <laughs> like, this first of all, you so, learned like, a lot if you were little and read. <laughs> I was honestly, like, ten. Fan, fan fiction honestly. is like real sex. You learn a lot from fan it fiction. <laughs> yeah, it's not reading this book. So first of all, so it's it's really not anything. Um. Okay. Gripe about the movie though. 
and not the book. So the first time they, I think, hook up in the movie is when they're at whatever that event is. Um, and they get alone to like Alex gets Henry alone and makes out with him in some room for like a minute. And then the bodyguard's like, ah, oh fuck, in the red room. And the bodyguard is like, shit. So it's like cat out of the bag to his bodyguard, Alex's bodyguard. I think it's Amy in the movie. Yes. And then they go back in the room and Alex is basically like, listen, here's what's going to happen. Like he takes charge and he's like, here's what's going to happen. He's like, you're going to meet me in my room after this and I'm going to do really bad things to you. Then we cut to the room. Alex does not do bad things to Henry. Henry does things to Alex. So I have a problem with that because like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Okay, so I think it's uh, Alex being very confident in public and like able to talk. But when it comes to being private, he's just very insecure more, mm-hmm. like just very unsure of himself. So he has like a public persona, even though it was still not public, it, but you he know, was trying to be assertive. And then when it came down to it, like he was feeling it in the moment. This has happened to me. You're feeling it in the moment, but then later on you get really insecure. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not how that goes down in the book. Alex is true to his word in the book. Yes. <laughs> so I have a problem with that because I'm just like, Alex, what are you doing? He does nothing. And I'm just like, boy, who wrote these lines? Then when we get to like the Paris uh, love scene, which is like the big penetrative sex like love scene. Um, Dickinson vibes. I think we talked about this when we did the reaction video, but the fact that like you said it, Caitlin, very tasteful because it's it's just like the intimacy is clearly there of everything and the communication like you said and then they have those shots of just like the hands and like yeah it's very soft like the lighting is like that golden lighting the music is very like intimate like it gave me Dickinson vibes in the last season mm-hmm. when they had the Emma Sue like intimate scene that was done like this you should have talked to Sophia about that oh well there's no music in it there was nothing to talk to her about they cut she talks about that scene no they cut the music out of that scene it's just them breathing oh there's stuff under it but wasn't there i'm pretty sure because she talked about that scene how it kept getting rewritten and stuff yeah so i think there was maybe music originally but the director has talked about it they cut all the music out of it because, like, what was supposed to happen is the Taylor Swift song was supposed to be playing. And then they cut it because they're just like, we want to hear them breathing. Because that made it more intimate. Whereas, like, in this scene in Red, White, and Royal Blue, there's their theme song is playing during, like, the combined theme song of, like, the their two themes are playing in this particular scene. And she said in this movie, they had to, like, redo this one a bunch of times. Because this is, like, the big pinnacle scene. But th- mm. I'm talking about the shot for, sh- like, the way it was shot compares to Dickinson um and like that intimacy feel because like that was one of the first times i ever really saw that kind of like intimacy in a queer scene and like it worked it it works so well and they almost emulated that here in the henry and alex scene so it just it is clearly like a very intimate scene just the way it's done versus like a sex scene to have a sex scene if that makes sense Mm -hmm. it does yes absolutely you know know, so 10 out of 10 100 out of 10 it was great Loved it. Loved it. All of their intimate moments are adorable. All right. So another big scene is like the Texas lake house. So that's the first time I think that Henry hangs out with like Alex's dad. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to get you guys' thoughts on like book versus movie overall thoughts about the lake house stuff. Can we just address Pez real quick? Oh, yes. Let's let's. Let's address Pez. I mean, I know he has barely a role in the movie. He does. But I feel like he barely had a role in the book as well. So, like, he was there to be, like, Henry's business partner. He's, like, Henry's best friend. Um, And he's, like, he's, like, Henry's Nora, in a way. Although they never dated, but... So they're like really close best friends and he's like the only person that kind of knows Henry for who he is. So that's what makes Pez significant aside from like Beatrice. Um, 
hence why like they're working on philanthropy projects together to like open open like youth queer centers and like things like that and so and pez i think what henry likes about pez is that pez is 100 himself like he always comes in in like extravagant outfits he has all the confidence in the world he's just like his, his emotions are on his sleeve like i think it's he's everything henry can't be and i think that's why they're such good friends um and in the book, Pez is really into June, who is not in the who's not in the movie. And so Pez is into Nora, which was weird for me. I was like, really? But they could in the movie, right? I have with Pez is like his role was so minimal. Like, why even have him there? Mm-hmm. Like he was barely. <clears throat> they don't really talk about the philanthropy. Like, it's why was Pez even in the movie? Also, Henry has his sister. So, like, he already does have somebody he can talk to. So, like, Pez could have been cut out. Yeah, like, in the movie. Although, like, can the princess really come and, like, visit? Like, I don't know that she would have the same schedule as Henry. So, like, maybe No, but I don't think Pez added much to that scene. He added nothing. That was my problem with Pez. Like, he added nothing to the movie at all. Even at the lake house, he was there, right? And (laughs) Yeah. Why was he there? Like, I don't get the decision. You get one shot of, like, Nora and him together. Yeah, and it's like they had a volleyball scene. I'm like, I guess you needed another oh, person yeah. to play volleyball, so it's 2v2. But, like, yeah, Pez being there was pointless. That was a problem I had with the movie. Like, you just cut him out. There was no point in having Pez in the movie, to be honest. No. Agree. Oh, um, I said, like, that's why I'm not upset that June wasn't included. Right. Because I, I feel like they would have ruined her. Yeah. I, I sh- she didn't need to be there. Um, if the focus was just Henry Alex, mm-hmm. sure. So like, yeah, Pez, I don't, I don't like Pez in the movie. I think he's pointless in the movie. Um, but the Texas Lake House overall, this is when Alex comes out to his dad. And I do like how this is handled because there's like anxiety from Alex because his dad is Catholic and he's like, how's he going to take it? But like dad sees the writing on the wall and he invites Henry over and he's like, give me some slack, man. I'm a California senator. Like, come down. <laughs> I think it's fine. So I, I like the way that's handled and it's pretty consistent in both iterations. Um, so in the movie, he might be something to do with Texas then because he talks about like, he's the reason that there's um, oh, okay. gender neutral bathrooms in Austin. Yeah. Okay. I think that line is the same, but maybe the location is different in the book. I don't remember, but that line is like directly from the book. Um, okay, in this, in the, while they're at the lake house too, this is the first time uh, Alex almost says I love you to Henry, and Henry freaks out and leaves, and then like straight up leaves the whole lake house because this is going too far for him. He gets I, a whole plane. He has a whole escape route. <laughs> yeah, he's just like gone. And like, okay, so the way it goes down in the movie is they're just like in broad daylight in the lake. Whereas in the book, they like sneak out at night to go skinny dipping in the lake and i like the i like this scene better just because of like the thoughts in alex's head so there's like fireflies and there's like it, it, the way he sees henry's he's like there's a crown of fireflies kind of like around henry's head and alex is just like thinks he's so beautiful and he's like this image should be the portrait for the history books like because it's the real henry that's like in the lake with him and so it's just it's a much more intimate moment than the way it goes down um and this is when alex kind of like has his like okay i know what i want kind of from life moment where he says to henry i never learned to be where i am i'm here with you and i want to take it day by day and feel so for alex that's so big somebody who's just like constantly going 100 miles an hour um and here he is in this like reminiscent of his childhood like vacation kind of days at the lake house like with his family where like politics are not involved like they can just be themselves kind of moment and that's when he's like okay this is what i really want from life i want to live my life versus just like being on the move constantly and like henry's such a big part of that because like alex has that like classic workaholic attitude that's so very american um and it's something in the books that june really notices about alex Huh? very american yeah and, and june notices about alex um and she mentions it's really briefly that she's worried about him because yeah he's he has no friends he's always on the move um but alex doesn't like he just ignores it and keeps going and he doesn't really fully come to terms with that until now when he's alone with henry um at night 
in this, you know, place of adolescence. And before he jumped into his life of politics, like this was all, you know, he was just Alex, but now he's like this image that everybody wants him to be. So to me, it's like this full circle kind of moment. And it's really, really beautiful that like Henry is that conduit for Alex to like learn to appreciate life. So it's more so than just like the, I love you and I'm running away from this kind of thing. It's more so that like Alex is like figuring things out about his life, not just like the love part. So that I found really huge in that scene. I think that the movie version, it doesn't make as much sense to me as that nice skinny dipping version. As far yeah. as all those realizations coming out. Like I get it why i get it but and it was very cute the like the casualness of their existing together in the same space and being affectionate but it was just like it just made more sense to me at night yeah and i think that the the in the book again it's it's alex's point of view so you get the depth of alex's point of view in that scene whereas in the movie it almost reads like henry's point of view mm -hmm. because when alex is getting close to the I love you stuff he leads up by basically saying we should come back here to the lake house mm -hmm. like next year because next year my mom won't be running for president and like I, I don't have to hide I can be whoever I want and like the color basically drains from Henry's face because Henry will always be in this position it, this, he didn't choose this he can't really easily choose to leave it so and Alex doesn't seem to understand that about Henry like he's like for me this doesn't go away next year like I'm always going to be the Prince of England. Like it doesn't go away. So he's like, I can't have the fantasy that you're explaining right now. So when Alex is getting close to the, like, I love you part, he's like, no, like you're clearly planning for a future that cannot happen. So Henry just like jumps in the water to like stop it. So um, yeah, it reads more like a Henry point of view scene than an Alex point of view scene in the movie, which is great and like is needed, but it like, it's telling two different, two different stories basically based on which exactly. scene you're, enjoying that's what i was gonna bring up is that like i understood what henry was feeling because totally. as soon as i saw his face i was like oh shit he's that's why he's running is because he can't be what alex wants yeah and, and he can't have that like he can't even entertain a, a realm in which he can have that so of course yeah. he's got to run yeah and to like Alex's point of view, he's like, Alex clearly wants this. We, we weren't supposed to like get yeah. this far. And he's like, I can't give you what you want. Mm -hmm. Also. So yeah, it's very heartbreaking on him because he runs away either way. Because like, I think Henry is definitely feeling that in both scenes, but like, it's more obvious in the movie that that's where Henry's, yeah. at, Henry's at. I do like that you get to understand that. Which is like what yeah. you said, it was needed, but yeah. But they, they complement each other. So they I think, do, they you do. know, that's why like the, the movie's not total fan fiction. Like you get some Henry point of view that you just don't get as evidently in the in the book. Right. They complement each other. Um I just I love the Firefly Crown description. It's just really cute. Me. Oh, and the other thing that was really funny in the the reason Henry leaves in the book is he's like, these fucking mosquitoes, what are these damn things? I'm going to get malaria. I can't get malaria. I'm leaving. Because that's his excuse to leave. And I thought that was hilarious. Do they really not have mosquitoes over there? Well, maybe Girl. not where he lives. There's maybe no swamps. But I Girl. thought that was hilarious. Like, I can't get a tropical disease. <laughs> Just <Yeah. leave. laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, so, other big scene that's really cute and romantic is the night at the museum. So, uh, Henry takes Alex to the the VNA, the Victoria and Albert Museum, after hours. Um, what did you guys think about that? Um, I thought it was super, super, super important and a really great way for Henry to show alex what he like i can't seem to like get across to him but at the same time the met like everything with that scene is showing henry's it's showing henry like that museum is yeah. like henry henry and basically it's it's henry showing alex himself 
so Alex already showed Henry exactly Texas. So he's like, "Hey, you want all these things, and as much as as great as that is, this is me, and you didn't seem to understand that. So here it is. I'm showing you. That's red light. It was." Both sad and adorable at the same time, at the like going through. But I just, I got chills remembering. They're multiplying. <laughs> Sorry, every single time. I know that all that goes in my head. Um, but the the dancing was so cute. Yeah, can't the help falling in love because like they can't help falling in love with each other, even though they aren't supposed to. I just love bittersweet scenes. Yeah. And kind of like scenes with a sad edge to them. Yes, that we know, guys. <laughs> Two of you. We like angst, okay? We like angst. <laughs> I love this scene. It's one of my favorites. I love it. I think the whole thing... First of all, I like how they get there. Because Henry doesn't own keys. That's one of the things he says. Because Alex is always got his house key on him but henry's like i don't think i've ever owned a key so he doesn't he gets in because he like basically bribes a guard it's like can i borrow the key because technically i own the museum but can i have the key <laughs> like he owns the thing but he doesn't own the key to access Wait, it. they do own the museum yeah i don't, I don't even i don't think i know they own the everything is. they own the country caitlin oh i don't know anything about that's i don't how, know american that's how royalty politics, works okay? <laughs> royalty they own the whole fucking thing so technically he owns it, but he doesn't have access, which is such a giant metaphor for Henry. Um, and I think that the whole museum scene is a is a metaphor for how Henry feels because he is someone with historical significance. Like he is a part of a giant monarchy that goes back centuries. And he's a person because of who he is that people want to gawk at, just like when people come to museums to like look at art or whatever. Um, like the pains of Westminster and there is a history, there's history in every single gene of his, and, and no one will truly know his full story because people see what they want to see, um, kind of like Alex. Um, but in the context of the museum, um, like the, you know, the V&A, like few can access the key to see it all. And so Alex in this moment has the key to see Henry and he's in awe this entire time they're in this museum. Um, because being alone in this museum with Henry, it's like seeing Henry's authentic self and it's beautiful and mysterious and Alex can't get enough of it. And that's constantly what's going on in his head. Um, and for Henry, it's really heartbreaking because he's like, you know, this was my escapism when I was a kid because I can't go out in public. I can't just, you know, like he was saying before they kissed, he's like, what would it be like to be anonymous? Like an anonymous person could just go to the VNA and enjoy it. But he's like, Henry's like, I can't. If I come here, people aren't going to be looking at the art. They're going to be looking at me. And then I can't enjoy myself. So and the only way he can enjoy things is like all alone, which is really sad and heartbreaking. Um, and the only time he can be himself is when he's, you know, kind of alone. And so he has that fantasy that he conjured. He's like, this was my safe place that my dad used to take me to by myself so I can enjoy something like how cool would it be to bring a boy that I loved here and like, just have a special moment with him. And I do like the way this was done in the movie where he's having this thought and then Alex plays the song because in the book, Henry plays the song. Um, and so it's like, it's like in the movie, it's like, Alex is like, I understand that this is important to you. Like, let's do it. Like, I want to be that person for you. So I do love that he initiates the dance scene and it's really meaningful to Henry. Um, that Alex is the person that's going to do it. I also love before they get here, they go down Prince Consort Boulevard. <laughs> and Alex is like, oh, is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is the Prince, Con Prince Consort. Yeah. So I do love that. Um, can we pause real really quick? Yeah. Okay, so now that we've discussed all the cuteness, let's go to the outing stuff. Okay, so in the movie, this is handled a little bit differently in the movie versus the book in terms of how they get outed, like the mechanism of their outing. So in mm -hmm. the movie, there's the Miguel plot. He's like the nosy reporter that's hooked up with Alex, I guess, versus the Rafael Luna Richards campaign plot in the book. 
And so both of those lead to the inevitable outing of Alex and Henry's relationship. So I just wanted to get your guys' takes of like your likes, dislikes of these plots. I um, mean, you got a text saying that Luna's a bastard. Yeah. I knew exactly where I was in the book. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so hope you enjoyed that. Um, I don't know. I didn't have like a overabundance of opinion on the differences. It was just kind of uh, almost six of one, half a dozen of the other, except I didn't so much in... I always kind of cringe when there there's a queer villain <laughs> like that, like revenge. I don't know. It's just so petty. But he's a reporter, so yeah, it does make sense for him to do it. It just it, it makes sucks. sense. It just I'm saying that it's a personal thing where it just makes me cringe a little because of the history in media of queer people being turned into villains etc etc i preferred the luna storyline me too because miguel like it meant nothing with miguel it like they did, yeah. they did nothing yeah. with yeah. it really it didn't make sense it was like half-based kind of i thought like, yeah that's what it when felt you, like you get, read a fan fiction you're just like where the hell did that come from yeah it was just, just like a clearly contrived thing for this reason where so luna was outed. thought out was throughout the thing like there was a betrayal and yes and then it just finally comes out that luna Raphael, yeah uh switched sides so he could go basically undercover and expose that the richards campaign yeah. and helped uh alex in the long run so it it just there the redemption arc was there as well. Miguel, there was like literally nothing he'd even own up to like doing anything. <laughs> He's just like, what are you implying? Yeah, it, like okay. So I think both plot lines are despicable in the sense that they're motivated by people trying to get career a career advancement. So it's like Miguel is trying to expose this big sex sandal to like get hits for his magazine or whatever the fuck he's doing. And to, like, get on TV to talk about this breaking story. Versus in the book, the Richards campaign. So Richards is the Republican running against uh, Alex's mom. Richards basically hires PIs to tail Alex and, like, get all these photos of him and, and Henry. And then they leak it to the press as a way to smear his mother's campaign. To be like, wow, family values. And, like, they're in bed with foreigners and, like, all this stuff. So it's a way to, like, for richards to get ahead in the poll the race for president so they're both motivated by people trying to get career advancements which is disgusting because then they're outing people against their will to get there which is super fucked up okay and in the book where beatrice is a real person the outing of henry in this way outs beatrice's uh, addiction problem um against her will because in the book she was like a cocaine addict and like her that was something henry knew and like supported her through but her reaction to this is very different than henry's whereas beatrice is like i'm relieved that i don't have to lie about this anymore because you know per royal etiquette you have to shove anything bad in the closet and she's like fuck it like i'm a recovered addict i don't have to lie about this anymore but like she's outed against her will because I just of what they gave down. her something. <laughs> in the yeah, book. like she's a she's a real person in the book. Like, um, either way though, the families handle them differently, which I think we have in another section. Maybe, um, yeah, yeah. Henry coming out versus Alex coming out. Yeah. Their families are have different reactions to them. Um, Raphael, like, he didn't go into the other side for career advancement, though. It was. Just I mean. He did. No, I, Raphael is not the one that outs Alex. Richards outs Alex because he's trying to get ahead in the polls. That's what yeah. I mean by. Oh, okay. All right. So was, you're not talking about Raphael. Okay. Raphael Luna is part of the plot line. And so, um, yes, no, Richards, that yeah, is Luna's disgraceful. Part of that plot line. 
that I think Luna the, perhaps was trying to get a career in fencing because like okay so what happens with Luna is Luna essentially like um there's a big history with the Luna and Alex so Luna is a democrat he's an out gay I think politician which is a big deal um in Texas because Texas is Texas um and so he's an a hero to Alex um and so when so what happens is is that Luna kind of distances himself from Alex throughout the book and then it's revealed later who Richards's vice president is going to be and it's Luna so he's like he's an independent and then he like goes to the Republican team against Alex's mom so Alex takes that as a betrayal I don't know if I was oblivious or something but that caught me off guard <laughs> it Yes, it's supposed to because it's from Alex's point of view. So you don't see it coming. And then Alex and then Luna does this thing that's basically a big betrayal because he's trying to be VP by joining the Republicans to tone down the crazy that is the Republicans. Because he's Hmm. this like gay, queer, somewhat progressive-ish person. But Alex sees that as a big betrayal because he's like, I helped you, you know, get your career going. Like, this is super fucked up. And so there's this quote that I love from Alex because it just shows the like the depth of the betrayal and he says he talking about Luna was supposed to be me in 20 years you know I was 15 the first time I met him and I was in awe he was everything I wanted to be and he cared about people and about doing the work because it was the right thing to do because we were making people's lives better I was never more sure I wanted to go into politics than when I went to Denver I saw this young queer guy who looked like me sleeping at his desk so that kids in public schools in his state could have free lunches. And I was like, I can do this. So like Luna was such a big deal for him in terms of like what he wanted to do with his life and why. Because Alex generally wants to help people. And so he sees Luna and then he's like, yeah, I relate to this guy because representation matters. So like this felt like a huge betrayal to Alex. But then we learn the depth of this plot and why it's so despicable because what happened to Luna before he even meets Alex. Because Luna was an intern for Richards back in the day. Um, And Richards was a sexual predator. Surprise, surprise. And he basically like propositioned Luna once to be like, come home with me and you can get career advancement and shit. Um... And I thought this was so important because, like, this is a queer thing that, like, is read as queer, but it really isn't. Because, like, Richards used to do this to, like, the women intern, female interns, too. And Luna basically says, it's not about sexuality. It's about power. Because a lot of these Republican men get in these sex, they're always against gay people, but then they get caught in gay sex scandals. And I think this is important to talk about. And I love that it's in this book because it's basically, it's not about being gay. It's about power. Like Richard was in Mm -hmm. a position of power over Luna. And he's like, I can exert my power over you and get you to do whatever I want. And that's what these Republican guys really love to do. So it goes to show you like the, the lengths that Luna, that Richard will go through to like get what he wants. So it's no surprise that later he outs the Prince of England and Alex to get a leg up in politics. Um, so, yeah, I just, I love it. Because to me, like, it, it just gives more depth to Luna. Um, and, like, it explains, like, why he's a smoker. Because he's like, I started smoking after that. Because that was, like, his coping mechanism. And so, like, it is trauma that happened to him he never got over. Um, and Luna never reported it. Because he was, like, a young guy with no power against, like, who are people going to believe, you know? Um like it's just it's gross and and Richard also had this file on him and he's like hey if you ever like try to go against me and say that I did these things that I did I'm just gonna like ruin your career forever so like it's just classic predator shit um and so like you said Caitlin like when Luna got this opportunity to be the vice president he's like oh maybe I can finally expose this guy if I get access to his shit because he's been holding my secrets over my head so I like the political intrigue that's in this book a lot more with this plot line. I love that Luna sends Nora. We don't know it's Luna, but uh, Nora oh. gets like all these files, de- like coded, and 
Alex looks, takes one look at this code and notices that it's the address to a Five Guys and like one like bacon double cheeseburger. <laughs> like this is the code. So it's like the Five Guys address and Luna's order yeah. for Five Guys that um, Alex used to pick up for him all the time. Exactly. When they were in Denver. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I love the depth of this plotline a lot better. And I agree with you with Miguel. It just, it's classic for a rom-com, but, like, Miguel was barely a person. So I wasn't really, it just Miguel... had less, like, motivation behind it that made it, it was not really interesting. I thought it was interesting that they did imply that, like, him and Alex were a thing in the past. Because that's different from, like, the book. yeah. And that happened early in the movie, too. So I was just surprised by that aspect. And I was like, okay. But ultimately, Miguel was very flat. And it was boring compared to this Yeah, line. Miguel, like, there was... I thought it was going to be, like, right after that, uh, the DNC. Yeah. Uh, that he would have, like, leaked photos. Because, like, that would have made more sense. And then they could have gone into, like, the Beard storyline and stuff. But right. also, in the books, Alex is more... Um, inquisitive about everything like trying to find out what's going on with this person and that and yeah. that and i feel like that's kind of where they got miguel from because he kind of took on that person and alex isn't like that in the movie mm -hmm. so it's like yeah, only one person that. can be like that <laughs> yeah that is true but so yeah i agree i think the luna plotline was way better mm -hmm. and plus then you get an extra queer so again they're erasing another queer person from the mix but, like, we get Miguel, who's, like, I don't know. I guess Who a is... mixture of, like, Luda and, like, tr like uh, Liam and, like, I don't know. It was just weird. But he's Yeah, yeah I guess he would be Liam as he's well. He's technically Liam, like, I guess, which I like the Liam plot, but whatever. All right, so that's that. And then, yeah, they both get outed. Uh, other thing I want to talk about was, like, the use of music in the book. Because music is a big part of, like, Henry in particular. Um... And there's one line that I really love where they're talking about the, I think, I think they're in England and Henry is playing on the piano and he talks about this Alexander Scribian sonata. And he basically says like the third movement is his Henry's favorite. He explains because he read once it was written to invoke the image of a castle in ruins, which he found darkly funny at the time. Because that's like how Henry feels mm -hmm. in that line. So like powerful. Damn. Poor Henry. You it's know. very potent imagery. It is. Um, and I love that he's always playing the piano. And I do love that. Sophia took that into account when creating their themes and she was very conscious of that. And same thing with Alex, like Alex's theme is like guitar based. And so when they go to the lake house, for example, there's a whole scene. I don't think it's in the movie at all where like Oscar's playing the guitar. They sit around the fire and play like the guitar and stuff. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's very like, it has the feel of both of them. And I, I do love that. We got them playing the piano together instead in the movie. Yeah, exactly. We got them playing the piano together instead. But I love that their their instruments really like fit their personalities and the way that yeah. they are drawn to music, use music, relate to music. It's just, it's very powerful. I like that aspect in the, in the movie, in the book. And it does translate in the movie pretty well. I don't notice music as much. <laughs> For some reason, it just like went over in my head. <laughs> but I already talked about like my favorite part of the music with the "Can't Help Falling in Love" thing. Oh, that's very that song's cute. gonna be stuck in my head again. Yeah, I have way too much music stuck in my head right now. So no, there's no room. <laughs> you have an entire jukebox in your head. Let's just be real. I do. <laughs> it's part of my charm. Indeed. <laughs>
And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.